0: have been made for a purpose and given specific gifts to accomplish your mission this is Requip, and i am scott schneiderman stay tuned to gain insight to prepare equip and empower you to do the work of ministry now the natural way to get ahead is to take advantage of your strengths, you, you see this all over. You hear about this constantly. I, I remember hearing John Maxwell once speak, and he said, "Use your advantage. Play to your strengths. Don't just focus on all the things that you're not good at, and start to work on all and tinker with yourself, and and do your best now and and get better. But do what you already know to do, and do that really well, and focus on that." You're going kind to of see that, and that's the conventional wisdom. That's a way to get ahead. And we see that David does this, but in a very unlikely way. We're continuing in our series we've been going through, and I think we can learn something from this. It's the life of David. We can learn so much as, as leaders, as followers of Jesus. Wherever you are, you got a ministry. God's called you to something. And I hope that the life of David, is just one of those things we're going to overlay onto where God is leading us and, and he's going to teach us some things. We've already gone through a few different parts of this, but we've gotten to one of the most, if not the most famous story of all history. I didn't just say the Bible and I didn't just say Christianity, but probably one of the most famous stories in all human history. It's sort of a weaved its way throughout all culture. You hear about it all the time in various ways, but it's the story, the real life story of the battle between David and Goliath. You see that from everywhere, sports stories. This is a, a real David and Goliath story. This is an overcomer story. This is a story of an underdog. That's the story that we hear and that's what's always told about David and Goliath. But what if I told you David wasn't an underdog? What if I told you he didn't have a disadvantage? But instead he played off that and he made it his advantage. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and see how David uses his perceived disadvantages to his advantage. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1, it starts off and says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they gather at Sakah, which belonged to Judah, and encamped between Sakah and Azaka, and Ephraim of Dimim. And Saul and his men and the Israelites gathered, and were encamped at the valley of Elah. And drew up lines to battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley in between them. And if you, you don't have to know too much about warfare and about tactics. The terrain is always important. Having the high ground is always important. You always have the advantage if you're on high ground. And so no one wanted to go into the valley because that was the place where you can be exposed. That's the place where you're on maybe a level playing field, but if somebody's on the mountaintop, someone's on higher ground, you don't go into the valley. You kind of see this in movies and it's ridiculous. You see all the time where these war movies, people are just running through this open field or just running through, like that is a sure way to get yourself killed. So you see the Israelites and the Philistines, they are pushed back onto each mountain, either side of it. There's a valley in between. They they can't advance. So the Philistines aren't willing to advance, but they've met the Israelites and they're already on the Israelites' territory. But they've gotten that close, and what they did is they send out Goliath, their champion. This is just sort of the way that they did things back in those days. It's actually a way to kind of reduce mass casualties. I mean, this is sort of like a um, an early version of diplomacy, in a sense. I mean, they were they were trying to make an agreement. Okay, we'll do this little challenge here, and if I win you guys will be subjected to us. Or or if you win, then we will to you. So so a way to kind of to, to show, okay, if this is your best guy and he can fight against my best guy, then we can have a pretty good understanding of who's gonna win this battle. And so that's what they did. And they sent Goliath out there. He's out there for days just mocking and insulting God just making fun of God, making fun of the Israelites, just taunting them, daring them for one of them to come out. But I think it's important to kind of think about what's going on here and what, what is happening. Because David is still a very young man at this point. We've come through and he's been anointed king, but he hasn't yet been appointed. No one really knows who he is. He was not He was completely forgot about it. He was just left to tend with the sheep. I mean, do a lowly job. You don't need to do important things. And then he does get anointed. And and at some turn of events, he ends up in the service of Saul. Now he's just one of many. I mean, he's the king of Israel. So there are many, many servants. David is just one of them. But kind of by chance, it really isn't by chance. It's God's providence, God's sovereign hand in all this. But by chance is what it looks like is Saul begins to have these um, terror attacks. He starts to get panic attacks. He starts to get migraines. We, we don't know exactly what it is, but the Bible actually tells us that, that the Lord actually sends a, a spirit and the spirit torments Saul because Saul had rejected and that's a, a way of discipline that God was bringing, but it, but he just couldn't get away from it. And, and we don't know fully if Saul knew that this was spiritual. We don't really know, but one of his associates, one of his servants comes up to Saul and says, well, I have an idea of how to cure this. Is if somebody could play a musical instrument that can make you start to feel better. And we even know that today. Like if you you start to have even a bad day, uh, you have a migraine, you're just feeling off. Even in the natural, I mean, you put on some music, it soothes you, it does something positive to you, depending on what kind of music you're listening to and what kind of music you like. But they they ask for David. They know he can play the instrument. He comes in and he plays. And whenever David plays, the spirit leaves. And David was a blessing to Saul. And we learned that that's just how we need to be wherever we're serving. Even if we're serving an ungodly leader, whoever we're serving, We need to do our best. We need to work hard. We need to be a blessing to our leaders. And so David is really a nobody still at this point. Like Saul didn't even remember who this is, had no idea who this is. And these grown men that have been trained for battle are out at war. They're being mocked. They're being insulted. They're supposed to represent the one true God and they're doing nothing because they're scared. They're afraid because all they see is this giant standing in their way, this giant taunting them. Not just standing in their way to something they're going to do, but a giant that is intruding on their territory, coming after them. And they are shaking in their armor. They are afraid. They are scared. And then enter David. David is just minding his own business he is serving his dad and he is tending to the sheep as he was before. His dad said, you know, your brothers are off at war. Your two older brothers, they're off at war. Go and just minister to them. Just bring them some food, bring them some supplies. And so he's faithful to it and he does that and he brings it to them. And he gives them some things and some supplies. And that's where we pick up in First Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 through 28. And here we see there's a little interaction. There's, there's something that happened because David is, is asking, okay, now that now I'm, I'm giving you these supplies and I kind of see what's happening. I hear this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine that doesn't have the covenant of God. He's insulting God. He's coming after us. Like who in the world does he think he is? Why? Basically he's asking, why is nobody doing anything? Why, why are they doing that? But then David asks a simple question. Verse 26, he says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who's this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. And they basically answer him, well, if they kill him, he's going to be given reward. And um, that's what's going to happen to him. then 28, now Iliab, The oldest brother, so David's brother, responds to him this way. When he spoke to the men and Iliab, anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down to here? And why have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? And David's brother is basically giving him a little insult like why are you here little boy shouldn't you couldn't even handle those sheep those little sheep like you, you couldn't even do that and then in the next verse here's what he concludes here's what he gives to David's motives he says i know your presumption and the evil in your heart for you have come down to see the battle and so he he's basically Uh, His insecurity comes out. You ever notice that sometimes uh, the people that are the closest to you, sometimes they're the most insecure about your motives. Maybe God's calling you to something or God's leading you to something. And here, David is just asking a question, just asking a question. And his brother, of all people, comes against him. His brother is insults him. His brother imputes motives onto him, says, well, you must have an evil heart. I know who you, I know you have an evil heart. Of course, this was not at all David's thought process. He had no ill intention. He was only doing what his father told him to do. He was coming to help his brothers, to give them to some supplies and to some other of the men that were there. And then he asks an honest question. But what I notice is, and I think this is true even in this story, but this is true in our story as well. When people come out and attack, when people fire back with something like that, it's probably because you are threatening them in some way, in some way. And it's really because of some insecurity that they have. So just expect that. When God's leading you to do something, or even when not, you're just living your life. You don't you don't know exactly God is leading you to do something. When people come out and attack, well, it's because they're insecure about they're probably not doing what they're called to do. They have some insecurity, and you're a, you're a threat to them. You're trying to compete with them. Of course, maybe that's not your intention at all, and. And of course, in David's case, that wasn't the intention at all. But his older brother saw David as competition. Instead of as, man, he could complete us. He could help us. Maybe he could do something for us. Let me just inquire and see, maybe God has brought him for some reason. After all, God did anoint him. Maybe God's actually gonna use him. But no, he saw David as a threat. And in so many ways, David is a type or shadow of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. David symbolizes Jesus in that way. Ultimately, David, you know, is going to save the Israelites, just like Jesus saves his followers. And David here is reminding us, oh yeah, Jesus went through the same thing where Jesus's own brothers didn't believe in him. His own brothers said, well, if you really want to be known, if you really want to be seen as something, why don't you go off to the festival? Why don't you do some miraculous signs? Basically say, oh, if you really think you're somebody, why don't you go where it's a very public place and then do some of those magic tricks? And this is the type of insults that sometimes the people that are closest to give us but there was some training involved. There were some things where David was being trained for this while he was tending sheep, while he was doing something that seemingly didn't have anything to do with his calling. God was training him. In verse 33, we kind of get a sense of this where you see where David's confidence came from. And, and, Saul even asks him this and says, Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. I mean, you can't do this. And then he continues and says, For you are but a youth. Like people will often say, You can't do that because blank, because you're too old, because you're too young, because you're too poor. You're two, whatever. People will label you with things that you're not. But David comes back and he knows who he is. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And there came a lion or a bear. And I took the lamb from the flock and I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if those against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. There's things in your life, I guarantee it, that God is allowing you to have a little bit of victory, a little bit of victory, maybe something greater, Give you an opportunity because he's preparing you. He's developing you. And it's meant to give you confidence in God. Not in yourself, not in your abilities, not in the things that you know that you can do, but the things that God's allowed you to overcome for the purpose of something greater, for the purpose of giving your life and pouring your life out for someone else who doesn't yet have that confidence, who who doesn't yet have that strength. That's what God does and that's how God can use you. And I believe God will use you in those ways. And we all have that to different varying degrees. Yeah, we're not conquering giants. Like that's not who we are, that's not what we're doing. And ultimately we can learn from David, but we're not David. Jesus is the better David. We are more like those Philistines shaking in our armor and then Jesus steps in. And says, I'm gonna fill you with the spirit because I have conquered Satan, sin and death and all who believe in me will have eternal life. And we get to follow that King. We get to follow that savior. And then we see where David is face to face with Goliath. And we're gonna learn that maybe a perceived disadvantage was actually David's advantage. And you're gonna learn that for your life as well. I hope that's something we can take from this. In verse 44, it says, And the Philistine said to David, come to me. And this is one of the first indications that we learn. Maybe there's something else going on here. Like, why is Goliath then saying, come to me? Why doesn't Goliath just go and squish David like a bug? Why doesn't he do that? Well, we need to think about tactics here a little bit. In ancient warfare, there's a little bit more we can learn here because we get a better picture of what's happening. So, Goliath was suited up in heavy, heavy armor. Yeah, he was big and strong, but his armor was very heavy. And Goliath would have been slowed down by that. He was probably already pretty slow because he was really big. Typically, people that are really big are also really slow. And that's probably what we have here as well. And Goliath was an infantryman. He was in the infantry. The infantry is slow-moving. And the way they did warfare, they were basically side by side, and they would go in ranks, and they would just move on, and they would cover ground, and they would take territory. Infantry is for taking and holding territory, but it's slow moving. It's not like lightning. It doesn't go fast. It doesn't. It's not long distance. It's slow moving, and that's what Goliath was. But then we look at David. David wasn't able to, wasn't willing to put on armor because That would slow him down. He wasn't used to wearing it, so he refused to put on armor. But what did he have? He had a sling. And we got to think about a sling today. We almost think about a slingshot like a child's toy. Like, oh, we'll put some pebbles in this and we'll shoot a slingshot. That's not at all what David had. David had a real military weapon. He had a weapon that was meant for war and it was effective and it was accurate. David... So weapon was a weapon that, if we would ca- characterize it today, would b- have been in the artillery. It is a long-range weapon, but this is also a very highly accurate weapon. So a sling was not like a slingshot, but it was something that would move hundreds of revolutions a minute. And artillery is meant to be fired from a long distance, and it's meant to be softening blows on the infantry really. And you would shoot that several waves and waves and waves of artillery. In this case, a slinger would shoot a sling and it would shoot um, heavy rocks or um, some kind of ball that would be heavy that would just smash into somebody, but it would move so fast it could cause serious damage. I mean, almost like an ancient gun because it would move so fast and do so much damage. But of course it can't hold terrain. It can't, it's not meant to be like infantry. It's a different type of weapon. So we often think of David having a disadvantage, but I like the way Malcolm Gladwell put it. And he basically shows that no, David actually had an advantage. He had an advantage. Yeah, from everybody on the outside, he looked like he had a disadvantage, but it was only perceived disadvantage. So infantry is really only helpful if you have mass numbers. They have to do send a lot of people, a lot of infantrymen to move in and take and gain territory. But David had a long range weapon, so he could say far off. That's where Goliath is saying, wait, come close to me. Because yeah, if, if you come close to Goliath, he's going to destroy you. But David stayed far off and was able to fire his weapon and kill Goliath. And we even have an example in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 20, verse 16. It records that the tribe of Benjamin had a unit of 700 slingers who were so skilled and they rarely missed their target. So this is a weapon that was highly accurate and could shoot from a long distance and do considerable amount of damage. So David actually had an advantage. The key was David was bold. He was bold to work where he was and to serve an ungodly king. He was bold to confront evil in this world. He was bold to to come against even his brother, his older brother, because he knew what he was called for. He knew what he was there for. And the question is, what are you called for? Don't just be bold for the sake of being bold, but God's called you to be bold because he's given you a purpose. And he's gonna give you those opportunities and I'm pleading with you to take them, to take those opportunities to be bold, to step out, to look a little ridiculous. No one's gonna believe it. No one's gonna think you have what it takes. No one's gonna think that you've been called. It doesn't matter. But you know God's been preparing you. Just like David was prepared long ago for this moment in things that seem seemingly unconnected, seemingly not helpful. No one would have ever thought if we're gonna train somebody to take on the most feared warrior in the ancient world, we need to send him to tend to his father's small flock of sheep. No one would have thought that. But when David was obedient in that, God sent him a little challenges, David conquered that. Then God sent him a little bit more, David conquered that. And on and on it goes, and that's how it is with you. What is that little challenge that God sent your way? Just step out and be bold and conquer that. And then step out and conquer the next thing. Because whatever situation you're in, you always feel inadequate. That's just how it works. Wherever you are, I know your secret. (laughs) Your secret is you feel inadequate in the position you're at or the position you're about to step into or the position God is leading you to. I'm not talking about a title. I'm just talking about a circumstance or some area where God's gonna cause you to work. I know you feel inadequate. God knows you feel inadequate. That's the point, but he's been preparing you and be bold and step into that confidence in that area where God is leading you. Thank you for listening to Requip Ministries. For more resources, check out our website at re-quip.org. Make sure you subscribe to get the next one. And as always, follow God's command to always be prepared for